0: podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health/podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Today, I have the outstanding Leah. She's the president and CEO of the LeapFrog Group, representing employers and other purchasers of healthcare, calling for improved safety and quality in hospitals. She's a regular contributor to Ford's.com, the Huffington Post, and the Wall Street Journal Expert Forum. She was named on Becker's list of the 50 most powerful people in healthcare in 2014 and consistently cited by modern healthcare among the 100 most influential people and the top 25 women in healthcare. Under her leadership, the LeapFrog Group launched from LeapFrog Hospital Safety Grade, which many of you may already be familiar with, but if not, we'll be going into that within this podcast. And it assigns letter grades assessing the safety and general hospitals across the country. This is a very important platform with which many of us can keep track of how hospitals are doing and if they're the ones we want to go to. She's also fostered groundbreaking innovations in the annual Leapfrog Hospital Survey, including partnerships to eliminate early elective deliveries, central line-associated bloodstream infections, and safe use of health technology. So it's a pleasure that I invite you, Leah, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Saul.
0: This is great. Absolutely. Now, Leah, did I leave anything out in that intro that you want to highlight to the listeners?
1: I think you captured pretty much more than you should have. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh boy. (laughs) Well, hopefully I thought it was all on point and uh, anything that maybe you would like to say less of maybe. (laughs) It was a very
1: nice introduction. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast, Leah. You're definitely doing some wonderful work in, in our space, in our shared space of healthcare. Why did you decide to get into the medical sector to begin with?
1: Well, I think really it started when I was fairly young when my father died of a heart attack and spent some some mm. time in the hospital before he died, so about six weeks. So I, I got a firsthand look at a pretty young age. I mean, I was I was just 20. Yeah, uh, really got a real exposure to what the healthcare system is like. And it actually, in a positive way, we, even back in the 80s, healthcare and hospitals were, were very adept at handling cardiac issues and cardiac trauma that that actually is a great strength and My father got excellent care, although I'm sure there were problems. I probably didn't understand that at the time. I was overwhelmed, uh, as anyone would be. But that was my first exposure and recognition of just how important healthcare really is. I think a lot of people who are that age in their 20s and 30s kind of think we're immortal at that age and everything, you know, have to worry about healthcare right now. But you know what? The ambulance could be showing up at your door any minute and taking away one of your loved ones and suddenly healthcare becomes urgent to you. So I think for me, it was a recognition that even though I was never interested in being a clinician and still am not, thank God there are so many other really smart people who are interested in being clinicians, but I'm not. But even though I wasn't going to work in the healthcare system that way, I recognized it's extraordinarily important to me and I really wanted to help make it better.
0: That's awesome. And yeah, no doubt, it's a space where when we get struck with an illness or somebody that we love gets you know, struck with an illness, it's hard to think and to sift through what the options are. You've been in this space for a while. You've made your contributions. What would you consider is a hot topic that needs to be on healthcare leaders agenda today? And how are you guys addressing that?
1: Well, I think one of the hottest topics is value. And people are throwing that word around. Nobody really defines it very well, I think, except me. I define it perfectly. (laughs) Let's
0: hear it, Leah. I should have had that in
1: my introduction. (laughs) Finer of the word value. (laughs) Well, anyway, we define it as the right care at the right price. So it's a combination of care and price. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. there's an assumption that value means price only. and cost only. And it Mm -hmm. does not mean that. We don't think of that when we are trying to get a good value for a car, for example. You don't think that means I'm going to take any jalopy as long as I can get a a low price. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that combination, that sweet spot between getting excellent quality and excellent uh, price and affordable price. So I think that's that combination for value. And it is a big topic right now. There's a real shift that's uh, happening out of fee-for-service toward this concept that we should pay the healthcare system for delivering the outcomes, the right outcomes, at the right price. And therefore, we should negotiate on the basis of those outcomes and not on the basis of each individual service that's delivered in a fee-for-service setting. Now, we have not gotten there. We talk a lot about it. And I would say, even though we say something like 70% of all uh, healthcare is now in some fashion tied to value, sometimes that tie is tiny and really... The predominant method of payment right now really is fee-for-service. That's shifting and changing, and there's a real effort to change it, both on the policy level here in Washington, where I work, and also in the private sector among purchasers. That is a, a major movement, and it's, it's really happening, and I think any provider who's not intensely focused on what that's going to mean for them is missing a major part of their business.
0: The right care for the right price. And as we look to tackle that, I mean, it's tough, right? And we've, we've had guests uh, on the podcast, Leah, from the employer perspective, right? We've had folks from Walmart and Intel that are taking this from the perspective of the employer, and now they're taking internal measures to measure quality and report to these healthcare providers how they're doing. But what are the I mean, I guess that's a fraction of, of the employers out there. You know, what can employers do to take a better leap toward this value based care?
1: That was very good that you used the word leap
0: that's good like that that. (laughs) leapfrog
1: a lot of people ask us why we're called leapfrog and that's why because we the the founders of leapfrog back in 2000 they didn't want incremental change in healthcare. they wanted giant leaps forward in uh, quality and safety so we're called leapfrog that's why we're called leapfrog
0: and you know what leah maybe rather than assume why don't we just level set the listeners on leapfrog the services that you guys provide what you do and then maybe we could knock out that question
1: Sure. So we're a nonprofit. We were founded in 2000, as I said, by employers, some very large employers who joined together and then invited others, ended up being about 175 large employers who were in the founding group. So these are companies like Boeing, Marriott, Walmart, you mentioned, who came together and said that they really wanted to publicly report on the quality and safety of healthcare in this country, make that available to their employees so that their employees could then sort of shop for the right kind of care. They were frustrated that the kind of care they thought their employees were getting was not as it should be and that they were operating in an environment that was so opaque that their employees never knew or had no way of knowing who was the best provider of care in the market. And so I think a number of our founders, such as our automakers, for example, would say, well, our products are in the public domain. They're they're subject to high levels of public scrutiny. There's 10 magazines on the newsstand that compare our cars against all of our competitors on on every factor of interest to consumers? Why is it that we can't do the same thing with hospitals? Why can't my employees look at hospitals in the same way and compare them in the public marketplace on the factors that matter to them? And that's why they formed LeapFrog. They said, well, let's bring all of our purchasing leverage together as employers and let's ask hospitals to voluntarily give us information that we don't have otherwise so that our employees and really the American public Can start to compare among hospitals. Not only will that give them the opportunity to get the best possible care, but it also will ultimately elevate quality and safety of care for everyone. We know that a competitive marketplace can have that impact. So they started LeapFrog. We started in back in 2000 asking hospitals voluntarily on behalf of these several hundred employers if they would please give us the following information on their safety and their quality. And about 200 did in the beginning. Today, it's almost 2,000. And that is nice. about two-thirds of the hospital beds represented in our survey, which is quite a lot. And And we ask some very sophisticated questions now about quality and safety, still information you can get nowhere else. So Hmm. example being C-section rate. If you want a standardized C-section rate by hospital across the country so you can compare your hospital, how they look compared to others in the country or in your state, you get that from LeapFrog and nowhere else. I wish it were available somewhere else, but it is not. So we just uh, collected by asking and now we have, you know, thousands of employers involved. So we have a little bit of persuasive ability and that's what we're able to do. That's LeapFrog. And then we also do some ratings. As you mentioned, we rate uh, hospitals on their quality and their safety, but particularly we give letter grades, A, B, C, D, or F to hospitals on their safety, something that's very important for people to look at before they go to a hospital, because it's a third leading cause of death is errors and accidents in hospitals. So you're wise to go and check that out before you walk in the door of a hospital. And employers pay for this in addition to worrying about this, they pay for it, and it is very expensive. So we we really need to be uh, holding hospitals accountable for much higher levels of safety.
0: Outstanding. What a great level set there, Leah. And again, folks, talking to Leah Binder, president and CEO of LeapFrog Group. So what, working through this, um, Leah, can you give us an example of of how your organization has created results by doing and thinking differently? Obviously, you're, you're thinking differently, you're doing differently, but tell us about some of the outcomes that you've been able to produce for either employers or consumers.
1: We've actually had quite a number of of successes that have been very exciting. One is, I mentioned C-sections just now. Employers pay for half the births in this country, and childbirth is the number one reason for hospitalization. There are far more uh, childbirths in hospitals than anything else that happens in hospitals. It's the number one thing by far, and so are C-sections, the number one procedure in hospitals. So for obvious reasons, given that purchasers have such an involvement in paying for um, maternity care, they're very interested in it, and at the same time, our federal government, which tends to look at almost everything they look at, is for Medicare populations. They tend to not look at it because they're not interested in maternity care so much for the Medicare population for obvious reasons. Anyway, so we are really becoming increasingly the locus of important information on maternity care. We started reporting on something called early elective deliveries. These are deliveries that are scheduled prior to Mother Nature's schedule. So, mm-hmm. but not too far prior to Mother Nature's schedule. So. Pregnancies typically last about 40 weeks. These deliveries are scheduled between 38 and 39 weeks, so just the very tail end of the pregnancy. The idea is to schedule them prior to Mother Nature so that it can ha- actually happen at a time that is, let's say, convenient or just for whatever reason, uh, meets the schedule of the, either the mother or the obstetrician or the midwife. The problem with doing this is that all of the evidence suggests that it is not safe, that actually this is not good for the newborn, that these newborns often end up in the, the NICU, And there's even some evidence that it causes long-term developmental delays in the newborn. It also tends to result in a higher level of intervention Mm -hmm. in the childbirth experience, which is riskier for the mother. So on many levels, these should not be scheduled without a medical reason. Sometimes there's a medical reason, but in a lot lot of these cases, there isn't. And the uh, association that represents obstetricians and gynecologists called ACOG has recommended for over 30 years, over 30 years, that obstetricians not schedule these deliveries this way. Nonetheless, they've been been going on. So finally, we had a good measure. We could start to uh, ask hospitals, do you do this? And it's a complicated way of asking, but we ask it. And we started doing that in 2010. In 2010, about 17% of deliveries were done this way. They were early elective. And that is a pretty high percentage. That was on average, but we saw just incredible variation. Even in the same community, we'd see anywhere from 40% in one hospital to 2% in another. So just an incredible variation. That was back in 2010. So fast forward today and over the last uh, eight years, we have seen a remarkable decrease in these deliveries because having publicly reported them made all the difference. It really galvanized a lot of change. So even though ACOG and also like March of Dimes has been trying to prevent these, despite that, they haven't gotten any traction until we were able to say, well, wait a minute, this hospital has a rate of 30%. Why? And once you start naming the hospitals and showing the difference, it really had an impact. So we saw just a remarkable remarkable effort that came from hospitals and providers and leaders to really address this. And we take credit for galvanizing that through transparency. And so today, the rate is, on average, 2.8%. Basically, the problem is gone. That is an example. There are literally hundreds of thousands of babies who did not end up in the NICU as a result of this effort. And this was a purchaser-driven effort. And it's all about transparency. So that's really what LeapFrog's about.
0: What a great, great story there. And uh, and that's for sure a leap. I mean, going from 17% to just under 3% is no... A small undertaking in this system where it's hard to get things done. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so exactly. to, to ha- yeah, to have that type of impact is huge. So big congratulations to you, Leah, and, and your team for for being able to drive this.
1: Oh well well thank you. But again, all we did was publicly report it, what we do every day. And what was the real work was from the providers, the hospitals, the organizations, but that public reporting was not easy and that's the piece. And we didn't do it just because sitting in Washington, I'm, you know, I'm so good at getting data out there. It's because purchasers go door to door to these hospitals and they say, we really want you to report to Leapfrog. Amazing. And that's not an easy thing to do. So and big
0: kudos was, goes to the employers too, then.
1: Yes. They were I mean, going about employer this. leadership saying, yeah. we want this data. We deserve this data. It's important to us. And that's made all the difference. So every employer listening to this right now Take a look at what you're doing to uh, to get Leapfrog out there, because without Leapfrog, employers do not have their own conduit for data that's important to them. You might have some CMS data, which isn't as good for you. It might be good for Medicare, but you, if you want your own data, Leapfrog's your. That's where you're going to get it, and that's where you're going to be able to drive change.
0: Friends, take a listen to that, hit rewind, because there is some huge value added in this discussion. In particular, just understanding the difference between CMS catering more toward Medicare versus this other larger group that you're currently covering if you're an employer. So, big, big value there given to us by Leah. So, what would you say, Leah? What's the criteria? Like, how do you go about choosing what you're going to go after?
1: Our number one criteria. Well, we have we have two number one criterias. I guess mm-hmm. I could, if we're allowed, and that is that it has to be relevant and important to purchasers and consumers. Got it. Both, because if it, it, purchasers actually don't think it's relevant to them, if it's not relevant to their employees, and so it has to be relevant to both. And that yes. matters to us. And that sounds like a simple thing, but it's not a simple thing. You'd be it's amazed not. at how much data is collected and publicly reported that is not relevant to them at all. Is Sometimes it's relevant to providers. We have a lot of, uh, of things that are collected out there that are what we call process measures, things like when certain things take place in the delivery setting that lead potentially to good outcomes, but we don't know that for certain all the time. But mm-hmm if a medication is administered at the right time, et cetera, while we do look at some of those process measures to make sure the delivery setting is functioning in a safe way, that is more important to providers themselves who want to make sure that they are consistently doing what they should be doing. But we're looking for whether they're getting the right outcomes. So we are mostly focused on, or to the extent we can be, we're focused on outcomes. Yes what's the rate of C-section, not just are you doing everything you can to prevent C-sections. So we look at outcomes. We also like structural measures, not as much as outcomes, but structural measures like do they have in place the kinds of management structures they should have in place to prevent errors and accidents and bad things. So we look, for example, do they have the right technology in place to manage medication orders? You'd be amazed at how easy it is to make a major medication error in a hospital. And in fact, they make a lot of them. It's about one a day per inpatient. So it's a big deal. Some of those can be minor errors, but some of them can be major, even sometimes fatal. And it's so easy. So we want to know all the steps that the hospital is taking and whether those steps actually work. We test their technology. So it's a very, really important to us. And and that's something that's been important to purchasers from day one. They said, We just want to, medication errors are a big problem. It makes sense to us. Those those should be managed through IT systems. Are they using them? Are they using them effectively or not? So that's something we look at. So we're really looking at issues that, again, we can't get anywhere else, important to purchasers, Mm -hmm. important to consumers, and that make a difference.
0: Outstanding. Wow. That's really great. Very clear and concise outline there for criteria. So what would you say, I feel like a lot of times, Leo, we learn more from setbacks than successes. Would you say that there's a particular setback that you guys had in the last 10 to 18 years that you've been around that you learned a lot from?
1: Well, in 2010, we actually had a major moment as an organization and for our board. So we were founded, as I mentioned, in 2000. We came out of a report that was issued by the what was called then the Institute of Medicine. And that report was called To Air is Human. And it said that there was upwards of 100,000 people dying from preventable medical errors in hospitals. So that report got a lot of attention. And LeapFrog really came out of that. So the real first and continuing focus of LeapFrog has always been errors and accidents in hospitals and trying to prevent them, trying to drive a market for safer care for people so they know which hospitals are safer than others. So they go to those safer ones and they encourage through competition that hospitals improve their own safety. So that's been our focus. And we started in in the 2000s collecting that data through the survey voluntarily. We asked hospitals about their safety record through our survey and we publicly reported it. And then we made that information publicly available. And that's been the model that LeapFrog has had from the beginning. So in 2010, though, there was a lot of press coming out about the first decade after the 10-year anniversary of To Air is Human. Mm-hmm. Have we made progress on medical errors was the big question that was sort of out there in the, the larger world, particularly among health policymakers. And there were about, i say about five different studies done by a variety of different organizations on that question. And every one of them concluded, no, we have not made progress. And if anything, the problem is worse than we thought because now we're better at measuring the safety than we were 10 years ago. That is something that did improve. We got better at measuring it. And as we got better at measuring it, we realized it's worse, much worse. In fact, now we think it's at least twice as many people than that die, 200,000 at least die from these preventable errors. Anyway, so 10 years in for LeapFrog, this was a moment for us. We said, well, okay, the problem got worse. This was our main focus, why we came to be. Are we wrong? Is our entire concept wrong? Have we been doing something completely, just our whole methodology wrong? Everything we're doing, our whole vision, mission, is it it just not the right direction?
0: It was an existential moment.
1: There really is. Yeah. And what we concluded was, and we had about, at that point, about 1,100 hospitals reporting uh, voluntarily. And what we concluded was that voluntary was the problem, that The biggest problem we had was that hospitals that didn't report to us got a pass. So even though in most cases we reported them as declined to report, uh, that really wasn't enough to embarrass them for not reporting, and it got a pass. So if a hospital in a community said, I have a bad infection rate, and they admit it on our survey, hospital next door might also have a bad infection rate, but they decide not to report and they get the pass. And everybody figures, well, the, the other one must be fine, the one that didn't report. So it didn't work because you can't have competition when people can voluntarily opt out and decide not to compete. So that's when we launched out of that the hospital safety grade, which was this A, B, C, D, or F that we assigned to all general hospitals, regardless of whether they report to us. So it doesn't matter if they want it or not. We don't ask them for anything. We just use the data that we have publicly and we assign them this letter grade. And we do it very carefully. We have a bunch of experts, dream team of experts involved. And we use a great deal of scientific research that goes behind every single measure. We use every single aspect of our methodology, et cetera. So we're very careful about it, but we do assign it and it is not voluntary. So that has really changed. That has changed everything. And we are seeing progress as a result of that.
0: Wow. Just finding a new way to hold people accountable. And because the non-participation is really kind of unfair. And just to, how did you guys come up with that? I mean, that, that's such a unique approach to tackle this issue. And obviously it's working. What was the spark that ignited that idea?
1: Well, actually, one of our board members, um, David Goldhill, he talked about in L.A., yeah. they had um, the hygiene department in L.A., the, so the public health department in L.A. had a program where they assigned letter grades to restaurants on their cleanliness. So instead of just kind of reporting all the rats and the infestations and all the other stuff that they find, God knows what, in restaurants, they gave them a, a grade and they, they required the restaurant to post the grade, the A, B, or C- on their door. And when they started doing that, immediately they got better. Immediately wow. the restaurants got better. I mean the pretty much within a year every restaurant was either an A or pretty much out of business. Cause you, you wow. people really caught really go people's attention. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like oh, thank you. <laughs> so I had a big impact. They even saw impact on emergency visits for food poisoning and stuff. I mean, it really had an impact. And New York City has done it as well, successfully. So we thought, well, let's do that for hospitals. We'll just assign them a letter grade. Now we can't require them to post it on their door, but we can at least give them letter grade. We can get some publicity for it. And so that's what we've done. We update it every six months. So we get a lot of publicity every six months when we update the letter grades nationally and regionally. There's Usually a lot of attention. I think it's had an impact for a lot of boards of hospitals, which is an area that I think is important. For example, we have lots of stories of board members who come into their board meeting and say, you know, for two years, you've been reporting to us on on all the progress you're making with falls or infections or all these problems and all this great work that you've done and improvements, but we got a D. Why are we getting a D? And so when board members ask those kinds of questions at board meetings, it has a real impact on the entire hospital. The leadership involvement be, just changes overnight so, on safety. So we've seen impact like that. The, the letter grade just has a real, it's got a stickiness. It's got traction it's nice. and people listen to it and people pay attention, which is important. And I will add one thing. I think others, you know, yeah, it's not like this is the most genius idea in the universe at ABCDRF. I mean, people, you know, you've heard about grades, obviously, What's different, though, is that leapfrog, because we're independent, because we're not in the healthcare provider side at all, we're very careful about, it. in fact, a real wall between us and the those we rate, because of that separation, that independence, we're actually willing to give some bad grades. And yeah. I think for many organizations, that's a line they couldn't cross, but we can. And that really, even though we don't give a lot of terrible grades, we don't get it's really, it's not something we, we relish. We don't enjoy giving really right. bad grades, but we You're give enough of them, to, them to, to make it clear that we're <laughs> willing to tell the truth and yeah. be as candid as possible. And we're willing to celebrate hospitals when they do well, because we certainly give a lot of A's as well.
0: Uh, what a great message there, Leah. And and that inspiration from one of your board members to use this system that worked in the food industry. I had a guest recently, Lucien over from the Netherlands, Tell us, you know what? Once a year, twice a year, if you can, attend them a, a meeting that's completely unrelated to what you do. He's like, go to a plumber's meeting, or go yes. to a arts and crafts meeting, because you will find something that will get you out of your box. Yep. And it's I so thought true. that was such a great recommendation, especially with your your solution here.
1: It's so true. I I think that's one of the techniques we use actually as a kind of a discipline in our planning and strategy is. What do other industries do? And sometimes you can really get some insights because healthcare, traditionally, we think of ourselves as completely different, completely outside. We're just so unique, but actually there's a lot of lessons to be learned from how other industries pursue odd issues.
0: Yeah, wow. And this is a great example that just the pivot that you guys made as an organization and the results that followed. So tell us about an exciting project or focus that you guys are working on, Leah.
1: Well, we're really excited right now because we're working on ratings for ambulatory surgical surgery centers and mm-hmm. outpatient surgery. So we're, right now, leapfrog rates inpatient hospital care, including some surgical procedures. We look at the volume of particular surgical procedures. But we're going to add to our survey and we're going to look at surgeries performed in the outpatient Basis as well. And again, we're also going to look at surgeries performed at ambulatory surgical centers, which will really require a new survey available to ASCs that they can uh, complete and publicly report their own quality and safety data. This is a big deal because about 60% of surgeries are now performed on the outpatient basis. And a lot of them now are moving into these ambulatory surgical centers. And there is relatively little quality or safety reporting available to consumers or purchasers to compare among them, which is deeply concerning. They Uh tend to be lower priced, but back to my definition of value, it's price and the right care, price and quality. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the quality side of that equation too often with outpatient and ambulatory surgical centers so hopefully we'll be able to change that fast
0: well you guys have definitely done great work in the acute space Leah and um, there's no doubt in my mind that with the models you've established and the track record that you have that you're going to be able to do that in a much shorter time frame so um, very exciting hopefully. thanks for sharing that
1: thank you yeah we're very excited about it and we do welcome any ideas or feedback? from people as we look to this new area, particularly with ASCs. This is really a, a part of the healthcare universe that we don't know as well. We certainly know hospitals, but we don't know ASCs as well. And I think it's growing so so quickly and evolving. Sometimes I think they don't know themselves as well either. So mm-hmm. we're, we're starting to, to learn how the market works, but we are always welcoming of suggestions.
0: There you have it, folks. So if you're you're looking for ways to collaborate to this tremendous effort, we'll give you a way to reach out to Leah and her team here at the end. Leah, getting close to the end of the podcast here, the time flies when you're having fun. We got a little lightning round here. We're putting together a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of healthcare, the ABCs of Leah Binder. So I've got four questions, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Okay. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes?
1: You have to care about them deeply.
0: What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not being transparent. How do you stay irrelevant as an organization despite constant change?
1: Eyes on the prize. The mo- what's important to the patient in the bed is always the most important thing, even when you are distracted by a zillion other things.
0: I love that. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in your organization?
1: Safety. Safety is the bottom line. It's about respecting the patient enough to think about their well being and safety in the most mundane ways and simplest ways 24 7. And that's the focus. Once you, you focus on that, everything else will follow.
0: Safety is key. And what book would you recommend to the listeners as part of this syllabus, Leah?
1: I have a book that I love Cracking Health Costs. It was published last year. And it's by Tom Emmerich and Al Lewis. Tom Emmerich is former Global Benefits Senior VP for uh, Walmart. Al Lewis is a great innovator, runs a company, and he's and also an expert on care management. They have assembled a series of chapters on really innovative approaches that employers and others can take to reduce their health costs, but also to do it in a way that, again, it looks at both cost and quality at the same time and gets better outcomes for their employees. They're also really funny.
0: And so <laughs> Are they? actually that makes enjoy it, the book. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it, when it's entertaining and informative, that's really good.
1: Yes, exactly. It is fun to read.
0: That's awesome. Listeners, you could find a link to this book as well as a transcript of our discussion, the syllabus that we just built for you all at outcomesrocket.health leapfrog. You'll find all of that there. Leah, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could get in touch with or follow you.
1: My major thought is this, do not become distracted by the language and the intensity of healthcare clinical practice, so much that you lose sight of what's really important about healthcare, which is the values that cause us all to care about it. The, what's important to the patients and families, what's important to all of us, for our own families, to have a respectful and effective uh, healthcare delivery system. Let's not lose sight of that through the smoke and mirrors that sometimes happens in health policy or clinical practice. Let's keep our focus on the values that should drive us forward.
0: What a great message, Leah. Thank you for that. And, and what would you say the best place to contact? Do you say somebody interested in uh, collaborating on your ASC initiative or in general to find out more about you or, or how they could get involved?
1: They could contact me at lbinder at leapfroggroup.org.
0: Outstanding. That's That's the email. There you have it, folks. And again, you could find all this information at outcomesrocket.health slash leapfrog. You'll find Leah's email as well as all of the links that we've discussed. Leah, it's been a tremendous pleasure. Keep up the amazing work. And we really appreciate you spending some time with us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.